Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 42 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B. McCarthy 95, at Leafs Pod, at Hockey Pod Net. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings fantasy lineup on the line. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain cold, hard cash. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for the players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in on the action with free shots of millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you could get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. BMAC, episode 42, you know what that means. The Stanley Cup champion, Tyler Bozak edition of not another leafs podcast yes sir the one of the longest serving maple leafs i believe berkey of our generation certainly in our generation yeah he was picked up in 09 went undrafted and played virtually a decade in toronto uh of course signing as you alluded to with the blues in 18 and then winning a cup but 42 dedicated to tyler bozak great leaf hey great great weekend for the leafs to be honest Uh, a pair of wins over the winnipeg jets uh, really nice bounce back after I thought 
a pair of tough losses against the Canucks. Everybody knew their situation. Uh, the goaltending wasn't performing well, and the team was on a little bit of a skid there. The fan base was starting to panic, but now with a couple of strong showings against a team that's supposed to be one of the perennial threats in the North Division come postseason time, feel like the dust has settled a little bit for the city of Toronto surrounding this group. Yeah, certainly a statement series win, we'll say. I mean, Toronto is just running away with top spot in the Scotia North, now eight points clear of Winnipeg. So certainly uh, a, a dog-determined group, no doubt. And I think, honestly, right after when they pulled Connor Hellebuck in Game 1, which I was shocked, I don't know about you, after giving up three goals, but I think they almost maybe pulled him too early. And then that team got all bitter, calling the Leafs dirty, et cetera, et cetera, which kind of seemed to translate on the ice poorly for them for game two and the Leafs kind of just like you know dealt with the noise dealt with the busyness going on and ended up uh, winning convincingly so that was on on Winnipeg really because they were pouting too much Kenny well I found it fascinating that the Leafs chased Hellebuck uh, how many times have we watched this goaltender basically steal the game yeah. for the Jets this season or keep them in games against Toronto that they didn't really have any business being in so a rare showing where you see him uh, give up, I believe it was three goals in the first four shots or something yeah. to the tune of that, chasing him from the net. Yeah, and that was all bitterness from Paul Maurice. Now, granted, coaches are always going to lobby for their team, whether it's you know, into the media and like the post game, whatever it is, if they're they're going to try to get their group to have the advantage. So I don't blame Maurice for saying what he said to the media. In a lot of ways, I blame the media member who brought it to Maurice's attention or tried to sort of paint the picture that Toronto's a dirty team. I think that this is hilarious. Me too. Because Because <laughs> for how for how many years, like all we've heard is that this group doesn't have it. They don't have the grit. They don't have the determination. They, they don't have what edge. it takes. Yeah. yeah, they don't have what it takes come playoff time to get it done. Now all of a sudden, like this team is going to make the transition from that to being a dirty hockey team? Like, I think that's probably a compliment from the Jets coach that they're insinuating that Toronto's dirty, and I think that bodes well for Toronto entering the playoffs if that's the headspace that they're renting we'll for free right now in the Winnipeg Jets' heads. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that identity. Why not? If you're, if you're just going to throw that label on us, we'll take it. But, you know, looking at some stats over the weekend, Kenny, they, I think, post like six penalty minutes per game. That's 26th in the league. They don't hit... They don't fight. If Off the top of my head, there's been two fights this year, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Scott Sabarin most recently on Milan Lucic. And, and Wayne Simmons, Simmons earlier on the year. But other than that, you think of like the core members of this group, you know, they, they never fight. They, they never show really a, any of that physical edge. So that was really just to get, I think, the, the rivalry going. You know, it was like something that was blown up. And then obviously Maurice makes a little remark about it and calls us, you know, they're a poorer team after today. But really, I think that just kind of, you know, fired up the rivalry even more. But it, it's just it's just stupid because if, if you think about it, Winnipeg had that coming. Winnipeg had those cheap hits coming, and referring to Galchenyuk's and Thornton's, which he was fined for. But I believe it was in January when the Leafs were about to ice it with an empty netter and Neil Pionk ran into Mitch Marner. Tried to decapitate Marner. He, he basically tried to destroy Mitch Marner. And everybody on the Maple Leafs will come to Mitch Marner's defense. So it, you, can't, you can't really put the onus 
on the Maple Leafs because it's been offset in, in each of the games they've played this year with some chippiness. So I think it was complete BS for that to be blown up. Listen, you repoint you Sal. Be back. You repoint you Sal. The Jets, uh, they play with an edge as well. And you know, let's call a spade a spade. These are two teams that know they're going to be seeing each other come postseason time. Yeah. So now it's time to dial it up and not take any crap from the other team. You see Wayne Simmons clearing people out from in front of the net. Like to see that. You see Joe Thornton and Nick Ehlers going back and forth. Love to see the fire out of Joe. This is playoff hockey for these two teams now. And you have to establish your dominance. You can't take a step back or let the other team give you any pushback because that's going to give the other team an edge when you see each other in the postseason. Now there's just one game left for these two teams in the rest of the season. I believe it's the last game of the year for Toronto. And I don't know, maybe it's the last game of the year for Winnipeg. One would assume. But just one more on the schedule. I think Toronto's fared very well against Winnipeg this season. Um, that bodes well for play, come playoff time. They're 6-3 and three now against the Jets this year, and those three losses, I mean, they could have easily gone the other way as well based off of the performance of the netminder who got chased on Thursday night. Was it Connor Heliabuck? He stole a couple of games from Toronto earlier on this season, and I really like the way that Toronto has performed against this Jets group. I do as well, and another factor as well is Jack Campbell. Now that's two straight wins for him. He's starting to build that confidence back. But again, you're going to have these ebbs and flows as the season goes on. right? It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a fairy tale. Or as I alluded to on a previous pod, it was like a bachelor party, essentially, for Jack Campbell. Like he, just, <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't yeah. lose. And it was just going to be a, a, a two-week bash. And you won't lose. There's not going to be any you know rough times. But now he's experiencing the highs and lows of being an NHL goaltender. And it's good to see... You know, he's got some consistency back in his game. I think Campbell can sort of pile on himself at times yeah, a little bit sure. more than he needs to. Like, everybody's going to let in a bad goal or have, you know, a bad turnover that's going to end up in the back of your net. I thought that actually on the Thursday night game, there were some atrocious ones by the Maple Leafs defense. Horrible. I was just going to uh, say, yeah. Jake, Jake Muzzin uh, turns it over kind Riley of. Riley, too. Had, yeah. Riley had a, a bad well, miscue as well. Yeah, I think it was up Brody who tried to find Riley on the cross ice pass, kind of missed the mark, yeah. and then it ends up in the back of the net because all of a sudden, you know, people are trying to go north. You turn over the puck, everybody's stuck in the mud, and Winnipeg's coming downhill, and that's an easy one to put in the back of the net. Um, you would like to see that cleaned up because you certainly can't be gift wrapping goals to the opposition in uh, in contests like this, and especially come playoff time. But I thought that all in all. This was a really strong two-game set for Toronto. I really liked what I saw out of Thornton. I really liked what I saw out of Simmons. Uh, Jack Campbell with the bounce-back game, as you were alluding to. Nice to see him playing with some confidence. Um, Because I believe what I was saying before is he piles on himself a lot of the time. And after the game, he's taking responsibility and saying, you know, this is all my fault and I let the guys down. And that's all well and good. But you have to have a short memory in this league, especially at the netminder position. Just put your you know, bad games behind you and move on to the next contest. I feel like he was struggling with that, and that's why he had a couple rough games there after the 11-game winning streak, but certainly good for the confidence for him to get a pair of wins, and I would expect to see him back between the pipes again on Wednesday against Montreal. A little interesting, too, to see Rasmus Sandin sort of try and solidify himself in the bottom pairing as well. I thought he's been excellent 
considering he's kind of just played in spurts, Kenny. And with Bogosian going down to injury, he'll be back in the not-so-distant future. But, you know, we had that uh, Peter Forsberg-esque hit on Blake Wheeler. That shook everybody up. But that's that's not a bad hit. He's more just defending himself, is he not? I'd like to get your take on that because you've played upper upper-level hockey. Listen, at the end of the day, he's a smaller guy in the league. Wheeler is obviously a big guy. You have to defend yourself. Um, I think for Sandine, uh, especially right now, it's just about making the smart plays. Yeah. And I thought that he's, for the most part, has been able to do that. Uh, he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes. I believe it's like 8 to 10, maybe 12 minutes a night. So obviously Sheldon Keefe is sheltering him in that third role. Um, nice to see that he's getting opportunities on the power play. Looks like he's going to be quarterbacking that second unit, which I think is a natural Love place it. for him. Uh, he's that That's his skill set, right? Moving the puck. He's got great vision, great awareness on the ice. I think they can create space for himself, which is a real positive for him and this group. And ultimately it's going to be up to him to solidify himself and take advantage of this opportunity. Because I, to be quite honest, would not be surprised at all to see when Bogosian comes back. I think they like the way he's played this year, and he adds a little bit of a different element on that back end. But I would not be surprised at all to see Sandine bump one of the more veteran defenders out of that sixth spot if he continues to play at a reasonable level and can keep the turnovers down and make the smart plays with the puck. I was going to say maybe his current defense partner now is kind of shaking in his boots, that being Travis Dermott, if... He I think so. Gets gets the drop when Bogosian returns. I'd like to see Sandine maybe slide in there on the on the left side. Typically, I, I think that might Dermot. be the case. I Let's think that might it. be the case. Let's well, see how it, many how many times have we seen a younger defenseman who plays with kind of this burly, older, defensive minded defenseman who can sort of take care of the front of the net and just protect that player and sheltered role and let allow them to play a more offensive role. And a lot of t- teams have had success. I mean, you look at Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. Obviously, he's had an extraordinary offensive seasons to break into the league. So I don't want to compare Sandy necessarily to him. But his best and most effective years were when he was playing with Chris Tanev, who was a defensively responsible veteran who was able to facilitate that area of the game and let him just sort of you know be able to take the chances going up the ice, knowing that you have that anchor on the back end, who's going to take care of everything. Um, what do you make of the Ehlers Thornton beef? <laughs> I don't know exactly where this started, but both of them were just going back and forth at each other for basically the whole game on Saturday night. Uh, if you follow the Leafs account on Twitter at LeafsPod, I reposted one picture where Thornton actually goes and cross checks Ehlers, breaks his stick in half, goes to the bench, gets a new stick, and then comes back and then starts cross checking <laughs> Ehlers again. I need a, I need it a was, third it one. It was so funny. I thought he was yeah, I thought he was going to go request for a third one, but Ehlers like I like you, man, but shut up. He's an old man. He's just trying to get he's just trying to get in your kitchen. He's making league minimum. He's trying to win a cup this year. He's got one room left on his shelf, and that's for a cup. So if you think he's got, it's, <laughs> it's a big it, shelf. As you mentioned it's a big shelf. Yeah, but that, that <laughs> Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley will, will take up most of that shelf. But I mean, look at he, he is he's clearly flipped the switch, right? Thornton is in playoff mode, and he's obviously trying to like. There's some there's some studs and some stars who don't really like to shake it up much on the Jets as well. And, you know, you never really see Ehlers get involved, but this is kind of Thornton's way of saying, hey, like, this is the playing time I'm get, I'm getting, and I'm going to try and drive you crazy and, and keep driving you crazy, even though we're in the penalty box. So I'd like to see it. But for Ehlers, it's like just, you know, he's, he's an old man. Like, there's got to be some level of respect, no? Yeah, certainly. And I think that when it comes to Thornton, he does have that respect around the league, right. obviously. 
you know, I saw, like, Thornton obviously had what was coming to him, like, for, like, the chippiness back and forth. Because, like, yeah, well, Thornton, like, there was one where he just kind of did the flyby on Ehlers and basically, like, I don't know if it was like a slew foot or like what he did, but he basically just took Ehlers out when he's kind of looking the other way. Yeah. And then Ehlers basically like, you know, shoves Joe or like gives him like the cross check and like pushes him over. So it was chippy just back and forth. I'm not going to say one guy was dirty or another. It's just playoff style hockey. And I think that you're right when you said that he's playing with the edge. Sheldon Keith actually mentioned that post game that he thinks that, Things are different for Jumbo right now. And that switch is flipped. He's bringing more fire on the ice. He's bringing more fire on the bench. He's bringing more fire in the locker room. And that's exactly why you brought him here. And I love to hear that from the head coach. I love to see that from Thornton on the ice. Absolutely, buddy. Um, anything else I wanted to mention? Yeah, um, quickly here. Uh, the Leafs captain has been the focus of a lot of scrutiny this year. Based off of his production, I think he's been playing his best hockey of the year, and I think that's great news for Toronto that Tavares is starting to get cooking. In his last uh, 11 games now, um, mind you, he has an eight-game point streak cooking. Seven goals, nine assists in his last 11 games for the Maple Leafs captain. Great news to see that line starting to get some production because for a large part of the year, Tavares has been a focus of the commentary as being one of the players who's underperformed despite being just shy of a point per game player. Yes, and a couple episodes ago, people were, well, we were talking about how people were up in arms about trying to break up that line. And we were kind of saying, you know, you need to keep Tavares and Nylander together because there's going to be a stretch where they just go off and hit that stride. And finally, they're hitting that stride. They just have just had to in deal. Time. Yeah, just in time. But they've just have always had to deal with, okay, who's our third guy? It's been Mikheyev, it's been Hyman, it's been Galchenyuk. Now, I'm sure Keefe is going to try and effectively solidify that as best he can come postseason, but Nylander and Tavares together is a dynamic, dynamic threat and a potent threat to to be a, a secure second line for the postseason. So they're just starting to pick up, man. Tavares has been lights out, as he should be, because he just had that little, little gap of, of a, a dry spell, but he's back, and Nylander is certainly uh, right there with him in the passenger seat. It'll be interesting to see how the line sort of gets shaken up when everybody comes back and is healthy. Yeah. Because you expect, like, it looks like Keefe's going to give Felino a pretty good shots to play on that top line with Matthews and Marner. I think he's looked comfortable there, so God, I don't mind that. Then, then uh, when you look at Hyman coming back, I expect from what we've heard from Keefe to this point in the season that he would like to really establish that third-line checking line, and that will be where Hyman plays regularly with the option to throw him on with either Tavares or Matthews or whoever else. You know that he's not afraid to do that for a couple shifts here or there throughout the game. And I would expect that Galchenyak will likely slot in on that second line. Whether you like him there or not, he's played pretty effectively. The numbers just wouldn't be where you would expect them to be or want them to be from a second-line winger at this point in time. Right, and just quickly on Adam Brooks, I don't know how long he's going to really cement himself uh, on the fourth line. I mean, he's playing right now. With He'll probably get pushed when everybody pretty, starts coming back, likely. Yeah, you, you know, he's it gets okay, pretty crowded. But, yeah, it gets pretty crowded pretty quickly, though. When you look at who's going to get the get pushed out when Hyman comes back, um, when other guys in this top group are healthy, it's like all of a sudden it gets real tight, and it's like, are you going to? push out Jumbo or Wayne Simmons for Adam Brooks? I don't think so. Yeah, surprisingly, when they've been in this uh, predicament, they've actually scratched Spezza, which was shocking. I don't think they plan on doing that in the future again. So, 
No, certainly been, not. Been a, a key key piece on on the ice and off the ice. Kenny, you wanted to bring this up as well. Oh yeah, certainly. Um, so the Maple Leafs actually it came out after the last game that a number of the Maple Leafs players have gotten together and have actually started sort of a pool to support the Toronto Marlies players. Um, reportedly, this has been spearheaded by Jason Spezza. No surprise, as a consummate professional, a leader in the room, and really proud to hear, as a fan of the organization, that the veteran players are taking steps to protect the younger players in the organization who have had a little bit more of a tough year financially. And I know that for the average Joe, they're going to think, oh, you know, whoever's on an AHL contract is, or is still going to be making you know, a lot of money. But it just goes to show that this has been a tough year for everybody. And if you can and have the means to support each other, especially within the organization, I think that's great that the players have come together and are doing that for some of the younger players who play on their affiliate. I'll just throw in my suite of the day here. It's actually, this kind of threw me for a loop yesterday because I was a big fan of Billy Talent back in 2007. But one of their base players and key members of the group, Jonathan Gallant, didn't know he was a Leaf fan, Kenny, at Big Johnny G. He tweeted yesterday <laughs> saying, hey, Maple Leafs, Jason Spezza needs to be given some sort of a deal to keep him in the organization for life. Player, then coach, or sorry, player, then player, coach, then coach, then ambassador. He's got heart. Don't lose him. I had no idea Billy Talent liked the Maple Leafs, but hey. I guess one, one member does. But I like big, that. Big shout out. Big, big, big Jason Spezza guy. Listen, he loves yeah. being in Toronto. You remember earlier in the year when he got placed on waivers, he was basically like, I'll retire. Yeah. If anybody picks me up, like I'm shutting it down. Which, if I was another team, I'd almost just uh, would have picked him up just so that he retires and then he's not a member of the Maple Leafs anymore. Yeah. But I don't know. But nobody did it. I don't know. I feel like there might be a weird agreement between general managers this year that you just don't pluck guys off waivers necessarily. Because we've seen a lot of guys going up and down, and you sort of look at that scratching your head and you're like, well, like that guy's going to get snapped up. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is confirmed for sure. But I just find it very bizarre the number of players who have been going through waivers and just sort of clearing, and then they just don't get picked up. Yeah, I wonder if there is sort of like a backdoor agreement between all these general managers saying, listen, this is a tough year. You know, we're up against the cap. We have like this traveling roster. It's a really weird situation. So let's not try to make everybody's jobs more difficult. I'm not saying that's the case, and obviously it's a business, and if there's a player that's going to help your team, you have to pick them up. I'm just saying there's players that have gone through the waiver wire this year that you certainly would have thought would have got snapped up at the earliest opportunity this year, and it just hasn't happened. All right, let's go to Around the League. All right, Alex Ovechkin, he looks like he's going to miss his second straight game Tuesday, but that's not the real news. Ovi just one goal away now from tying Marcel Dion for fifth in NHL history, fifth most in NHL history, I should say. And BMAC, this guy just, it seems like all the time is just chasing another record. And when you get into the upper echelons of the history books, it seems like you can just close the gap so quickly once you get into that company. Yeah, I didn't realize Ovi has just been an absolute machine, like in terms of playing. I don't think he's missed a stretch of games since like March of 2015, I read. He's just like, yeah. he's, he's a monster, man. He just won't no. miss games. It's unreal. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, also in that division, the Devils, or the apparently 
picking up where the Sabres left off as one of the worst teams in the NHL. They've kind of turned it around since uh, Granado took over as head coach. So big shout out to Buffalo and their new head coach. Might see a little extension there, but the Devils have lost 10 straight now following their 4-3 loss to the Flyers on Sunday. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly with a hat trick against the Colorado Avalanche in St. Louis 5-3 win over Colorado. This guy basically willed the team to victory. I watched a couple shifts online and he was just harassing the likes of it didn't matter who it was whether it was nate mckinnon whether it was you know landis cog whether it's who, whoever the hell had the puck on the avs basically this guy was just flying in there he was being physical he was like stick checking like a maniac for checking like a maniac and he ends up getting the hat trick to push the blues over the top against colorado and an important win too at St. Louis. They're one point behind the Yotes for fourth and the final playoff spot in the Honda West. And that Honda West is effectively a lock. You got Vegas clinching, Colorado clinched, and Minnesota now clinching too, who have rhymed off seven straight wins. So I'd like to see St. Louis slip into that fourth spot, but also Arizona's a kind of kind of a cool story as well. So that's gonna be a down to the wire finish, no doubt. I'd like watching minnesota play a lot i don't know why it's just it seems like thrill the thrill yeah it's like i i feel like nobody really gave them a chance uh this year like coming into the season they were just supposed to start finish at the bottom of the division and nobody it's kind of just an afterthought that group and they've played above expectations in a difficult yeah. division and it's been impressive to watch they're going to be a tough out for whoever gets them come playoff time yeah, look out, man. The Wilder for real. Hey, speaking of which, uh, this one's from you. Red Wing Stars. Shots were 30-3 to halfway through the second. Jesus. So I brought that in there because I was covering <laughs> that game over the weekend, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, they have three shots, and we're eight minutes, eight minutes into the second period. Like, they actually, and it's funny because the Red Wings scored first. On their third shot, they went shelf on Hudobin. I think they had a total of 17 shots, but Bernier ended up making, like, 50 saves. Now, not, like, you know, high-dangerous chances, really. It was just kind of routine saves, but 50 saves. Like, Dallas yeah. just went in there, like, we, we can't leave Little Caesars Arena without two points. And they ended up getting two points. Jamie Benn scored in overtime. But, man, like, it was 30-3 to at one point, the shots. It was crazy. That's insane. Yeah, and you feel for the Red Wings. It's like I know they're rebuilding. You know, you're going to go through these growing pains. And they obviously traded out, you know, a couple of young pieces at the deadline. Anthony Mantha, and they basically the only player left that they've kept is like that's a staple on that team is Dylan Larkin. Uh, but at some point, you got to figure out a winning culture and how to win some games. And I, you know, just getting just the floor mopped with you every night can't be good for the psychology of this young group. No, no doubt. I mean. It was actually really cool to watch as well. He doesn't get a lot of attention. I know a lot of people kind of typically will mention the brother first, but Jason Robertson, he's actually second in rookie points beside, uh, behind Kirill Kaprizov. Now, Kenny, this guy, the first 10 games of the season was really flat out of the gate. I think he had like a point or two, but since March 1st, he's averaged almost a point per game. And yes, this is the brother of Maple Leafs forward Nick Robertson, but I think he's got to start flipping and saying... You know what I'm trying to say, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Jason, Jason is the forefront of the of the conversation. He's, he, here. Yeah, he, yeah. He's the. <laughs> it's not the brother of Nick Robinson. <laughs> Nick Robinson is the brother of Jason Robinson, who's the yes. one who's in the conversation for the Calder. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I saw some commentary, but some people upset that someone on Sirius XM he's a stud, Radio. Man. 
like commented and said the brother yeah. of Nick Robertson. Yeah, yeah, he's been playing outstanding. He's catapulted himself Calder into threat. the Calder conversation, yep. which it seems like Corell the Thrill was going to be a runaway for that award earlier on in the year. Um, I saw, Rob I, has something to say. I read a pretty in-depth analysis of this on The Athletic about who has the advantage. And basically, like as Robertson's opportunity has increased, so have his points. Like earlier on in the year, he was getting eight to ten minutes of ice time. Now he's playing on the first line, basically, and getting eighteen minutes of ice time a game. And once you start seeing those bigger minutes, it's no surprise to see his production go up. So, very impressive from Jason Robertson so far this season. And probably good news for Toronto Maple Leaf fans if his brother Nick Robertson can harness some of that energy when he's able to crack into the lineup and dominate the play because it's been so impressive from Jason what he's been able to do for the Dallas Stars so far this season. Let's go to the bar. All right, BMAC, uh, you're up first. Who you got? Okay, I'm going with Yandy Diaz of the Tampa Bay Rays. Watched the Jays and Rays in full last night. Bit of a dull game, one nothing RBI single courtesy uh, Santiago Espinal. But kind of a funny sequence. You know how, how much fun Vlad Guerrero Jr. likes to have? playing baseball he's like jack campbell he's just a beloved player in that dugout but basically yandy diaz was hit by a pitch from phelps and at the, i believe it was a fastball of the forearm and he's a big boy but he you know he took him a couple minutes to kind of recoup ended up making his way to first and there's vladdy with his smile ear to ear says something to him in spanish and yandy diaz takes one look takes another look and he gives him that like saucer eyes like don't even like that just was like a boulder hitting my arm (laughs) i'm not even making any levity of this situation like screw you kid like i don't care who you are you might be one of the top dominican players in the league but i'm yandy diaz and you know obviously the notoriety is more on vlad but it's like careful i know he likes to have fun with any base runner that comes his way on first but you got to be careful with a big boy like that who just got hit by a 100 mile per hour fastball buddy like come on yeah that's no joke kill vlad so he's probably at some bar is my is my point. Listen, when you when you get hit, it's like, even if by a slower pitch. Oh yeah. Like, like I like I never played at like the highest level, but it's like guys are throwing, you know, like 75-80 at like the yeah. level that I that I played at and you get hit by that and it's no fun. It's like let alone like 100 miles an hour, like no thank you. Yeah. Would not would do not want. Um, I think it's hilarious that Vlad just chirps everybody at first base. Like, I, I, I love it, but it was yeah. great, but I was like, no. careful. Like, don't, you don't want to infuriate a, a big boy like that. Be careful of what you wish for. I'm going with um, Manny Malholtra just to bring it back to the buds here. Uh, this guy was brought in to be the power play specialist. I don't know. He needs to relax a little bit because, like, the power play continues to struggle. 0 for 5 in the series against the Jets. I know they got, you know, one in each game against the Canucks, but I really don't count those as being effective power play minutes. One of them was on the five-minute major to uh, Alex Edler that they were able to pot the goal. So the power play continues to struggle uh, of late. It's going to continue to be a storyline for me until... It's not a storyline anymore, and they managed to put some pucks in the net. I believe now it's like 3 for 53 
on their last. Uh, yeah, it's not it, it's not good. So Malhotra is going to be uh, going to need a he's going to need a Manhattan if he's going to expect to keep his job moving into next season because he's got to be on the hot seat. It's never it's never the head coach that gets fired in this situation. It's always the assistants that will get gassed first. So remains to remains to be seen. But what he's happens to Manny Malhotra? He is walking on a tightrope, and they need to figure it out soon. Soon. I mean, at this point, you put Adam Brooks on there, man. Just mix mix things up. Shake it up a little bit. Yeah, put, put Rasmus Sandin out with the first unit. I don't know. I've heard a lot of uh, Morgan Riley hatred recently for his role on the power play. I don't really know who else could quarterback it better. I don't know if you want to put you know, five forwards out there or if you think Rasmus Sandin could do a better job, but they got to do something to figure it out because it's been absolutely atrocious. I'm going to go to my tweet of the day now, uh, and it's from the notorious MMA, a.k.a. Conor McGregor. UFC high-level fighting is greater than blogger jackass <laughs> boxing. So basically, uh, Conor oh, McGregor God. ripping the rougher to rowdy series that Barstool puts on. Seems like they try to compete with... Uh, compete with a lot of the big UFC events and they basically just put two jabronis in the ring who beat the crap out of each other and then charge 10 bucks or whatever for like a full card of fights it's uh, a total disaster the did rough and rowdy in, did you tune into Usman and Masvidal that was I didn't I was wor- I was working on chaos. a Saturday night so chaos oh my god I didn't either I just waited for the uh, social media upload like generally everybody else does instead of paying for pay-per-view but uh Man, yeah, I, f- I feel just... like you have to be a hardcore fan or like the owner of a bar to yeah, like buy seems to be too many the UFC pay per view. Compl- yeah, it complicates me. I'm just like, I just want to sit down, turn on. Like, that's where I love with like Leafs and Jays. You turn it on, you're not going through all these steps. I understand it's different with UFC, but it's just, uh, it's annoying to have to do that setup, you know? Well, it's like, what, how much is it? It's like, isn't it like 50 bucks or something like that? Yeah, and it could last, like it did on Saturday, eight seconds. Like, knock, oh, okay, that's it. Like, it's done. Like, you don't get, like, a bit of a bout. It's just done in seconds. That's how long it was done in, eh? Eight seconds? It, I, I'm, I'm Oh, my goodness. But it was quick. It's like, don't, don't you feel so bad for the fighter who gets knocked out? Not in like really. 10 seconds in that situation. Really. Well, I, no, I, I feel bad for them just because like I look at it and they've done all this training and they've like geared up for like months, Pow. like trying to cut weights to get into this. Like, I don't know if it was the championship fight or whatever. I'm, I'm not a huge UFC guy, so not you'll have mind. to, you'll have to educate me if that's the case, but they train forever to get into the ring for this one fight or this huge match. That's going to have a huge influence on their career. And that's over in 10 seconds. Like yikes. Well, that's just like in the Olympics, right? You know, you train for four years and you, you know, you come in fourth. And there you go, back to the drawing board for the next four years. Yeah, the, another four it, years. It stings, it stings, but it's also like you're getting paid a heap load of cash. So just take the <laughs> knockout and, and run. Go, go to Turks and Caicos for a week and rest up. Yeah, fair point. Nobody's feeling bad about the pocketbook after these big fights. No. All right, thanks for listening to episode 42 of Leafs Pod on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at McCarthy 95 at Ken Stapon, and we'll catch you next time.